Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Our business is public relations, coaching, and strategy. If you are in the market for communication road mapping, media relations, social and digital branding, coaching and event preparation, or any other services that you think we can be of value, please reach out at www.provisionadvisors.net. All right, welcome aboard, everyone. Another great Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Schofield. Joining me is co-host Ward Carroll, our special guest from the Capital Gazette newspaper, Bill Wagner, and our producer, Chris Cervello. Uh, Here we are. It is Cincinnati week, and we are um, expecting the number two ranked team in the country to come into Navy Marine Corps Stadium and really give us a good barometer um, as to how good we are. Um, this Cincinnati team, and I'm going to go to Ward here in a second to get his take. Um, this is a Cincinnati team that that played Notre Dame in Notre Dame, won 24 to 13, and then responded, you know, in case there were any thoughts of a letdown, Luke Fickle's boys dropped 50 on Temple and 50 on UCF. And now they come in here, fresh off of, you know, Feinbaum from ESPN saying that they still have work to do to make the college football playoff that they're still like the little kids, you know, eating at the small table at Thanksgiving, that doesn't bode well uh, for a Navy team that has a hard time uh, with the big plays. And there's no one more big play uh, for Cincinnati than their star quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Um, so Ward, let me go over to you really quick. Big, big game. We're one in five. Uh, we're one in three in the AAC um, and here we are smack dab in the middle of the season with the rest of it looking not as easy um, or not easy at all. Uh, what, are, what are you looking forward to in this game? And what's the key to us not getting embarrassed by a number two ranked team? Well, the key to not getting embarrassed is for us to expect to win and everybody do their jobs. I mean, absent that, this, this is going to be potentially pretty ugly. But every year, it seems in the history of Navy football, even when we're having an off year, some magic is conjured up in in big games like this. So is this going to be the game? Wags presaged some weeks ago as we were talking about what's the lowest ranked team we've ever gone against at home. And in my experience, it's Houston. And Wags rightly pointed out that, no, in fact, it was South Carolina when they were number two and we beat them. So it's possible if we execute on paper, never mind what Feinbaum says, this is an outstanding team. Very powerful offense, great defense, well-coached, All-American caliber quarterback. So, and as you've said, John, they're, they're coming off some big wins. They're, they're on a heater. So that doesn't bode well for us going into the game. But, you know, did we find something over the, the week? Did we have a meeting of the captains that said, okay, it's our destiny. We need to salvage this one. Did they look at each other and go, I'm not interested in having this be a terrible year. Are you? Those kinds of things. These are men of great character, as we know. You can't get into, not to mention, get through the Naval Academy without it. So let's, as fans, imagine that we can conjure up some of that kind of intangible magic on Saturday. And let's say the bar is set at not a total embarrassment, and we can even imagine that maybe we can even win. So that's where I'm at, John, with this. Now, Wags, you've written a bunch already. Uh, you've been monitoring the press conferences as they've, as they've been going on this week. Uh, where's Nehemiah at? Where's the team at? And where do you think they're at in terms of being able to muster a challenge against a very tough Cincinnati squad? Well, the challenge, it is going to be an incredibly difficult challenge. And Navy could potentially play its best game of the season and still not beat Cincinnati because that's how good Cincinnati is. You don't go in to Notre Dame 
uh, under the shadow of touchdown Jesus and beat the fighting Irish on their home field if you are not A-grade legit. And the last time that Navy played Cincinnati, and that was in 2018, which was kind of the beginning of the Cincinnati role that they're on and have been on now for four seasons, um, the score was 42 to nothing. Navy couldn't do anything against the Cincinnati defense, and the <laughs> its defense could not stop the Cincinnati offense. And back then, Desmond Ritter was only a freshman quarterback. Now he's he's a veteran. Um, so it's going to be a tough game, John, and I really think Navy, their best hope for Navy is to have a bunch of drives like that first drive against in the Memphis game, 21 plays, 75 yards, eat up double digit minutes that keep the Cincinnati offense off the field. But this Cincinnati defense might be the best in the entire American athletic conference. So it's going to be really hard for the Navy to move the ball at all against these guys. They are so legit. Um, I don't know. It's going to be tough, but like we said, it could happen. Navy's done it before, so it's possible. So, Chris Cervello, what's the line? And, you know, from where you sit, you know, who, who are the keys on each side of the ball? So, depending on which site you go to, it's about 23 and a half. That's about the safest money you'll get. I would take Cincinnati and the points. We are not very good. Cincinnati is really good. But I still don't think they're going to make the, uh, the playoff. So um, I think it is going to be a statement game. There were three weeks where I was high on this team, where I thought they had an opportunity to turn it around. After what I saw last week, I, I think it's going to be a long remainder of the year um, with a perhaps a lone bright spot um, up at the Meadowlands against Army. I'm just not feeling real good about what, what I saw, about the injuries on both sides of the ball. I expect Cincinnati to come into Navy Marine Corps and uh, and, and take care of business. And this could be potentially embarrassing for Navy and for Navy fans. Now I still love these guys. They're still my team. I'm not, you know, calling for scalps yet. I'm just reality is reality, John. Wags, what is your prediction um, in terms of what the final will be? And, and for you, you know, is is this just simply a case of our stars needing to show up or, or is there like, the possibility that we shock the world with maybe a, a little bit more of a passing game or really a shutdown defense. Do you think it, do you think any keys lie below the rough there? Well, I don't think uh, going crazy passing the ball is a wise idea because we've seen the Navy has to- a lot of difficulty pass protecting. Um, Ty Lavatai was on his backside quite a bit in the Memphis game when Navy had to start throwing to try to catch up. So, no, it's got to be the same formula. It's got to be triple option, hold the ball, long extended drives, keep Cincinnati's offense off the field, make the Cincinnati offense get impatient and try to, you know, catch up, you know, do score in, in a hurry. What concerns me a lot, John, is the injuries. I don't know exactly who's available and who's not. Kevin Brennan, Coach Niamatololo told us on Monday that it does not look good for Kevin Brennan being back, and that's a huge loss. He is your quarterback on the back end the guy making a lot of defensive calls and he's helping those other young safeties making sure they're in the right spots and doing what they're supposed to do so not having Kevin Brennan on the field after already losing Mitch West so you had two really good senior safeties and now you're without either of them that's a major issue to me Uh, I don't know I mean prediction I don't want to give a score I just it's going to be really difficult I can't remember the last time we had a noon start. It kind of messes with my head. Like I've always expected to have that entire morning to get stuff done. And now it's a noon start. It's on ESPN. The whole thing feels wrong to me, but that's just because I think everything's about me. Uh, what are your final thoughts? So it's on ESPN two, to be clear. Um, and uh, noon starts used to be the standard back in 2016. So I prefer the noon games because they're over before the sun goes down and maybe there'll be somebody left at the tailgater. But uh, as I walk off the sidelines ready for, I think the bottom line here is this is what we get for joining this conference. Power six, primetime, you know, major network, ESPN two, all the focus is on. This is what the coaches say to the recruits. 
when they're wandering around their high schools on their way in here is this is a division one team and you will get the kind of exposure that you would get if you went to Oklahoma or Nebraska. This is what you get at Navy. Uh, plus in the event you don't join the NFL, we have a job for you at the end of the, the whole thing. And so here we go. Hey, John, before you take it out, um, I wanted to get your guys' take on the news out of the American Athletic Conference that they are indeed expanding. After rumors earlier in the week, um, there was a press release that was put out this morning, um, and then there's a press conference scheduled for later today, um, but it, uh, it looks like it's now official that the University of Alabama at Birmingham, the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, Florida Atlantic University, um, University of North Texas, Rice University, and the University of Texas at San Antonio are joining the American Athletic Conference uh, following the announcement um, that uh, the likes of Cincinnati and others uh, were moving up uh, to other conferences. Um, I, I, I just wonder if this conference stays you know, at the same level that it was when we joined um, given that these folks are, are leaving, or if this was always the calculus that, you know, schools are going to come in, they're going to, uh, you know, rise to notoriety, and then they'll, they'll depart. I mean, it may be a conversation for uh, a longer podcast at some other point, but uh, I thought it was interesting news. Well, I'll quick take it before I go over to WAGS. Like, I, I, I think all the proof you need is the fact that Cincinnati is number two in the country and might play in the playoff this year. And that's the protection of having a conference like army is still an independent and yeah, it, it looks nice when they get to go to camp Randall and play Wisconsin last week and almost won. they're playing wake forest this week. They've got the flexibility in their schedule. Um, and sometimes conference scheduling can be a grind um, as you try to schedule non-conference games. Um, but I think that the protection that this conference gives with very, very good teams, uh, no matter what the attrition is, um, I, I think that the conference provides a level of protection and revenue stream that you wouldn't get elsewhere. Wags? Well, you're losing the best three of the best schools in the conference, Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida. And those three schools have all captured championships and have basically risen to the top and have consistently been at the top. So those are huge losses from a competitive standpoint. But athletic directors and conference commissioners like Mike Oresco look at revenue generation. Rice has always, to me, been a natural fit for this conference. And it's a team that Navy played routinely, a school that Navy played routinely because similar academic standards. The biggest element of all these schools is where they're located, markets. So Florida Atlantic's near Fort Lauderdale, which is great for recruiting. So every school in the AAC wants to recruit Fort Lauderdale area because that's a hub of talent. Charlotte, North Carolina, major market. North Texas, located just outside of Dallas, major market. Texas, San Antonio, another large market. And Rice replaces Houston in that market, which is a very valuable market for the American Athletic Conference. And uh, particularly for Navy, because Navy recruits the Houston area hard. Now, Birmingham, I don't quite get. And that's one school on, on this list that I could do without. But the others all make sense from marketing, recruiting standpoints as far as the markets they're in. And here's the reality. Navy is not currently competing very well in the, the American Athletic Conference as <laughs> currently organized and these are all schools that navy could beat so it might be good for navy to see this kind of realignment and have teams that like that now the obviously the hope if you're in the if you're the american athletic conference leadership the hope is that these programs rise with the american athletic conference that the aac helps bring these programs more prestige better recruiting everything about it now know that Texas San Antonio is 7-0 and and just got ranked for the first time. So that program's already improving. Um, I, I think they have to expand to be remain viable. So if this is where it is, then so be it. The one thing I would say, Wags, is I'm torn as a, as a grad. Um, I understand the um, 
I understand the athletics associated with it. I understand the money associated with it. And for some, they would say, well, that's enough from a cachet standpoint, from a, you know, this is my school and where does my school sort of holistically fit into um, national prestige? I'm a little disappointed in some of the schools that they're, that they're adding. So, I mean, that, that's kind of the devil and the angel on my shoulder as I read this Yahoo Sports story. Well, so what, what I would say about that element, Chris, is what is organically happening may prevent us from ultimately leaving the AAC to get back to the Army pre-us joining this conference kind of schedule, right? So these marquee teams are leaving. These, let's just be polite and call them comers, are entering. So it kind of starts to be more like what the schedule would look like if we weren't in the AAC, where you don't look at the back cover of the media kit and go, I don't see a win. Right. You know, and, and so otherwise, at the end of the season, we're going to have a show that's about how quickly can we get out of the AAC. Yeah. And so now this could sort of preempt that discussion. And I, I want to be clear because I will get tweets and texts and nasty emails. I, I'm not advocating that we leave the AAC. I, I'm just sort of offering a little bit of raw sort of emotion and thoughts on, you know, some people leaving, some people going, what does this mean, mean for us? So uh, I, I want to be, that's my disclaimer award. Yeah, no, I didn't oh. say you're advocating, but I'm just saying that what this conversation we would have, you know, absent this dynamic that's happening is, is that, which is the AAC is now we're low man on the totem pole in the AAC with no path to writing that situation. This is, this is a conversation we would have after Army. This would be the mid-December episode of the show. So now as a function of what we're talking about, perhaps this is a problem that solves itself to some degree. Well, let me ask a dumb question, Wags. Like as they were courting teams to come into the American Athletic Conference, I mean, two teams that I actually thought made the most sense were UConn, which I didn't want. They're horrible. That team probably needs to just be put down. Uh, Husky dog joke. Um, but then, like, Army. Why Why not? I, I, and maybe there's something out there that is, you know, as to why Army wouldn't you know, come into another conference, why they need to be an independent. I don't know it, but why wouldn't we go after Army to be in the same conference as us? You know, talking as the American Athletic Conference. Well, I think that the American Athletic Conference has courted Army and Army show no interest because Army feels their path to success is to remain as an independent. And look what's happened They're They've set up a schedule where they're guaranteed to win like seven, eight games, no matter what. And then they play two or two hard games uh, and then they play Army and I mean, Navy and Air Force. Um, Connecticut quit the American Athletic Conference. Connecticut gave up and left. So Connecticut's gone they've basically decided they don't want to play big boy football and they're, they, they, they left on their own volition. So Connecticut is never going to be in the picture again for the American athletic conference. Uh, what initially happened is the American athletic conference supposedly, and you know, this is all, you know, reporting from sources, supposedly the American athletic conference looked at some of the mountain West conference schools like Boise state air force, and uh, San Diego State, I believe. And, you know, there was some flirtation there. And now Air Force would be great for Navy because that becomes a conference game and opens up another spot on your schedule. Uh, but in the end, those three schools all pledged loyalty to the Mountain West Conference. And so this is where Navy, the uh, AAC went. They went to Conference USA, the next most likely conference. And Conference USA is improving. Remember, the team that beat the you-know-what out of Navy in the season opener is in Conference USA, Marshall. Um, and there's been several good Conference USA wins this season. So that conference is up and coming. Um, you know, Mountain West Conference likes to act like they're, they're the next best conference out there. And they try to be on par with American Athletic Conference, which we know is not accurate. But Conference USA... Is creeping up on Mountain West Conference as far as quality. So I think that these schools, if they join the AAC with its marketing power and all of what the AAC brings to the table, I think the, these programs would rise 
And because remember, Cincinnati used to be in Conference USA at one point. Since look at what Cincinnati's happened, what's happened with that program in the last decade. They're completely different than they used to be. So I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I love the discussion and, you know, I, I, I need at least one reference to alligator closest to the boat in every pod. And I'll say it now, like right now at Cincinnati, we'll worry about conference alignment later. Uh, but really loved hearing the insight, uh, Ward, Wags and Chris. Uh, we're going to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Brad Snyder of the class of 2006 Paralympian and gold medalist. Um, and right before we go to break, I would be remiss if I didn't thank our sponsors, the awesome individuals at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 5 in Annapolis. If you are in Annapolis and you're listening, October 27th from 5 p.m. to close, Dry 5 will be debuting their fall menu. Uh, new drinks for the fall and winter season. It's always a good one. Um, our good friend Billy Maddox uh, made a gin variant that I uh, tasted during the, uh, during the taste testing, which was amazing. Shout out to Billy Maddox. And thank you to Montana 3000 Podcast to our good friends at the Graduate Hotel and to Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Brad Snyder. We'll be right back. This week's episode of Sing Second Sports is brought to you by our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis. Coming to town for a football game? Is it your class reunion? Or just looking for a place to chill on a Friday or Saturday night? Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 are staples in the Annapolis Main Street scene. Whether you're in the mood for a good Cabernet at the wine bar or an old fashioned and a Dry 85 burger, both locations will take care of you. Special thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter, the owners of both establishments, for being fantastic supporters of the Sing Second Sports podcast. Now back to the pod. Hey, hey, everyone, we are back, and uh, this is our graduate segment. We are so pleased to be joined by Brad Snyder. Brad Snyder is a class of 06 grad um, from the U.S. Naval Academy. He's originally from Reno, Nevada. Um, upon uh, commissioning, Brad served as an EOD officer. Um, he suffered injuries in September 2011 um, to his eyes, and from there, went on to embark upon an amazing swimming career, um, culminating in winning the gold medal um, in the 2021, this past year's Paralympics in Tokyo, where he won the gold medal in the paratriathlon. Before that, in the 2016 Paralympic Games in Rio, he won all three gold medals. Um, Brad Snyder, number one, thank you so much for joining the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Number two, how's everything going? Everything's going great. Uh, I'm pretty stoked to be here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So you will be back on campus. Number one, like the, the podcast, as we tell everyone, and, and we like to think that everyone listens, is all about what the um, physical mission gave you. Um, you know, whether you were a D1 athlete, a, a intramural warrior playing club, um, that, that there is a part of the physical mission at the U.S. Naval Academy that gives you lessons that you use going forward. Um, you're about to come back to campus um, on Saturday. It's your 15th reunion from the class of 06. As you come back, um, it, what is it about what the physical mission gave you? You were the captain of the swim team when you were here. What was it about the physical mission that, that continues to drive you to success now as a civilian? I think the, the physical domain gives us a really great uh, sort of practice field uh, for kind of the essence of character and, and uh, how to, how to like build up virtues. Uh, and I think it goes way back before the Academy for me, what I, you know, looking back on my swimming career in, in totality, like starting competitive swimming when I was 11, that's when I really, it was the first time that I was forced to kind of get outside of my comfort zone and do things I didn't necessarily want to do. I didn't want to get up at four in the morning to go to swim practice and hop in a cold pool and swim 10,000 yards. And, you know, especially as a little kid, um, but I think doing things like that, and especially seeing that, you know, there's a there's a tangible improvement after a time of pushing yourself in that way, that's how you that's how you improve and you start to learn what it means to be dedicated to something, uh, especially, you know, doing that at the Naval Academy within an environment where you're really vectored towards trying to become the best naval officer you can, uh, it takes on a, a new meaning. Um, and for sure, I've, I've said this a bunch of different times across the gamut of experiences I've had, the most formative leadership experience I had uh, was being the captain of my swim team and having the guys look at me 
on guiding us through the season and, and kind of setting us up for success. And um, a, a, certainly a memory I look back fondly on, but certainly a formative experience for me. So Brad, before I throw it over to WAGS, for those who might not know, if you can walk us through you know, exactly, you know, what you went through from your injury to making the decision that it wasn't going to hold you down and that you were going to continue to compete and not only compete, competing on the very highest level. Um, Walk us through that. Were you ever kind of encumbered by doubt or was it always kind of those lessons that you learned getting in the pool as an 11 year old that kind of got you through the toughest of times? I I think it's a, it's a little bit of both. Look, the, the, the experience that I had in Afghanistan was not that I went blind, but it's that I came back to life, essentially. Um, immediately following the blast uh, that I was hurt in, um, I thought that I had died. And I laid there for a while thinking that I was dead and and kind of thought through my entire life. And uh, at the end of it, I kind of reconciled my death and was you know, okay with it. I was at peace with the fact that I had died. Um, but then I didn't, and I came back to life. And so while there were a lot of challenges inherent in becoming blind, um, I was really riding this wave of gratitude. I was really thankful to still be alive and I was motivated by that. And moreover, I think kind of riding that wave, I was really shocked that people were so upset and devastated about my blindness. And uh, I had this kind of pervasive sense of optimism. Things are gonna be fine. I'm really happy to be alive. Everything's, you know, everything's gravy. I'm gonna be able to tackle, you know, t- tackle this no problem. Um, but I, I really felt as though my community wasn't really there. And I think they needed to see me succeed in something. And I was really grateful to have sports there as a mechanism to sort of, you know, rebuild my, rebuild my own sense of identity, but also have be a mechanism for me to show people that I'm going to be okay. And uh, this is going to work itself out. And we just need to, um, we need to take it bit by bit. Um, I think starting with swimming, you know, early on in my, uh, my life, you know, at, at the age of 11, really kind of putting that in a context of greater development, personal development, leadership development at the Naval Academy, and then really kind of going through this challenge loop over and over and over again in the military, you know, day one of explosive ordnance disposal school, you don't know the first thing about an explosion or a bomb or anything all along those lines, but within 13 months, you've established a sense of mastery of that particular topic. And then the same goes for free fall or scuba diving or whatever else we were doing in the Navy. You know, you go through this you know, day one of dive school, you don't know the first thing about diving. Day one of free fall, you don't know the first thing about jumping out of an airplane. But within short periods of time, you're able to master those skill sets. And that's really how I looked at blindness was this is a new skill set. This is not the first time I've had to operate in the dark. Um, now I just have to figure out what are the tools, tactics, and procedures I need to succeed. And and that's largely how we took, uh, took, uh, took to uh, a, a, uh, adapting to being blind in the first place. Ward? Well, hey, Brad, I, John kind of asked my, my question in terms of the resilience piece. And I've heard some folks post-injury characterize it as the best thing that ever happened to them. Yeah. Um, w- would, you, would you say it in that, in that way? Yeah, for sure. I was having this exact conversation with my wife the other day, and we were reflecting on, um, I'm excited to share that my, my wife and I are expecting our first child in March. So it's been a a period of reflection for us, uh, looking back on our relationship and our lives up to this point, and knowing that you know the dynamic that we have between the two of us is about to be dramatically uh, uh, uplifted or or changed uh, with the with you know taking care of a, a kid. And I kind of reflected to her in looking back on everything. All the best things of my life have happened since I was blind, um, and many of the things I've been able to achieve. You know, I can't compete as a blind athlete if I'm not blind, and many of the you know, many of the things you read out in my resume accomplishments I have are are done because I was blind. So um, I am where I am now and I am who I am now because I went through that experience and it was a tough experience and uh, blindness is frustrating uh, all the time, uh, but I've learned how to live with it. And many of the components of my life that I look most favorably upon uh, have come out, come about because of my blindness. So I'm grateful for it in that regard. So how would you describe blindness to your classmates um what 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 is it in 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 sort of the the most general terms that's a really interesting question uh for me i think just like the experience of it is what i actually see through my eyes is what you know if for all of us who are old enough to have watched a an antenna television when you go to that static channel that sort of static black gray 
you turn the darkness of your TV all the way down, that's kind of what I see. It's kind of a black charcoaly static. Um, but I have learned to not look through my eyes, but I see in my head. So I imagine my environment always around me. I imagine everything that I know that's there, whether it's the desk in front of me or my guide dog or my house or the path to school or you know those sorts of things. I, I kind of exist wholly in my head and I build uh, an imaginary environment in my head. And kind of it's funny because I can see the world exactly the way I want to. And the joke I always make is that, you know, when I was in the hospital, my family was really, uh, you know, upset by the fact that I didn't know what people looked like. So they would describe people to me as combinations of celebrities. They would say, your nurse is a combination of Cameron Diaz and a little bit of uh, Jennifer Aniston. So now I, I kind of make the joke that everybody in my brain is, it looks like a celebrity. They, they all kind of you know, everyone's beautiful, everyone's in good shape. And the, you know, there's no chip in the paint anywhere in my house and all that sort of stuff. So I live in kind of an idyllic sort of utopian world in my own brain. And I'm, I'm happy to live that way. So that's what blindness is like. Blindness is utopia, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So to, to put it in Naval Academy terms, you're approaching the tailgater this Saturday. Are you hearing voices? Are you, you know, finger in the wind? I mean, how do you, how would you approach that? Or how are you going to approach that, that situation? Uh, you mean, do you mean tactically, how do I get to the tailgate or uh, how well, okay. do I enjoy that experience? No, let's just say you're, you're, you're walking up to the tailgater. Uh-huh. Um, you have your dog with you. Do you have a cane? Is Do you have an escort? Uh-huh. Is your wife with you? But uh, then you get there and, you know, this is a, a sort of bunch of people, a lot of voices, again how how are you how are you doing that yeah i think um tailgate i'd probably go with my wife that's a big open area i don't my guide dog's really most effective where we know the route we know there's sidewalks we know we walk from nassau street to witherspoon street and turn right and all that sort of stuff getting into a tailgate it's kind of a big amorphous uh, i'm not sure exactly where i'm going so my wife would be really instrumental in getting us through that and also it's fun my wife doesn't know me really as a military person, she, we met well after I got out of the Navy. So it's fun to kind of go back to Annapolis, go back to the football stadium, kind of introduce her to friends of mine, because she really has a little exposure to the military world, the Navy world, and especially the Naval Academy world. And I think looking at it through her eyes is always fun, like something like a chow call. If my wife was to look at a chow call, she would say, by God, what's going on with that person? And why are they screaming like that? Something must be wrong with them. And I understand it as a child, so I have to explain that sort of stuff. And it's fun to do that. Um, as far as getting to the tailgate, you know, what I'm looking forward to is, you know, picking voices out of the crowd that I know. And, and I, I remember everybody's voice. I remember my friend Adrian's voice or my friend John's voice or my friend uh, Steve's voice. I can pull all those the voices out of the crowd. And I look forward to, you know, we've all, it's been an interesting 15 years. A lot of stuff has happened. Uh, we've lost some folks along the way and, and that's tough, but all of us have grown immensely. And I look forward to hearing people's stories of where they've gone and what, they, what they're up to now and what they've learned and who's got kids and how old are those kids and who's got advice for me as I'm looking forward to March and my daughter being born and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's what I'm looking forward to. So I, I think another advantage that you have, Brad, is you avoid the, uh, the chief big guy, there he is kind of thing, because people have to tell you who they are, right? So yeah, you're not like exactly. looking at them and, 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 you know, going through that matrix, it's always yeah. at the, uh, the army Navy game a few years ago, I was at a, ta- and I wasn't at a tailgate. I was in like a, a box somewhere where someone was serving food or something. It was at MNT and uh, I was walking by and I was getting some food. And then I bumped into this elderly gentleman and just was talking to him for some time about nothing in, of consequence. And then at the end I was like, Oh, I got to get going. Uh, what was your name again, sir? And he was like, my name's Ollie. Ollie North. And I was like, oh my God, I was talking to Ollie North this whole time. I had no idea. So you're right. Like it's, I, I can't tell who anybody is. So they, uh, they're on even footing, I guess. Ward, I was going to add at the risk and Brad, this is Chris Cervello at the risk of being insensitive or, or too funny or trying to be too funny. Um, <laughs> your, your idyllic view of people um, having just gone to my 20 year, uh, you know, a few years uh-huh. ago, uh, people will appreciate that, right? I mean, because not all, so. <laughs> not all of us have aged as well as you have. You, you know what I yeah. mean? So you're, you're equating their voice to what they look like as a midshipman will certainly make their day. Sure. I'll give them license to anybody who sees me. If you want to describe yourself as something other than what you are, that's totally fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's spiritually bankrupt, but that's fine. <laughs> it's exactly right. Exactly right. 
Uh, Wags, over to you to take us out on this. Well, Brad, great to have you on the show. And I don't know if the listeners understand what an incredible feat it is you that you accomplished by being a gold medalist in two different sports. And obviously, the fact that you became a gold medalist in swimming is not, you know, overly surprising, although it's an, it's an incredibly, the competition is remarkable and it's a high step up from collegiate swimming. But the fact is you were a successful collegiate swimmer. So, you know, knowing your, what you have inside of you as a naval officer and what you've been through, I, I wasn't overly surprised you became a Paralympic gold medalist in swimming, although tremendous feat. However, your decision to switch gears and go into triathlon and then immediately win a gold medal in your first Paralympics in that sport, that discipline is just really incredible. Uh, kudos to you. Um, kind of talk about your decision to make the switch. Uh, obviously, you wanted a new challenge. I don't know how much triathlon experience you had before you even decided to make the switch or you know, when you said, hey, I'm going to try to go for a gold in triathlon, is that when you really started training seriously as a triathlete? Um, it's a layered question. I think, um, for one, I think it was important for me, I, I, you know, I give a lot of speeches and I, I do some motivational speaking here and there, and I'm always trying to put things into a grander context. And my competition in Paralympic sports is, is not... Uh, it's not about winning gold. I mean, gold is great and I'm competitive and I want to win. And uh, that's a component of me that's always been there and will never go away. But competition for me is about inspiring as many people as possible to push themselves, push themselves outside their comfort zone, uh, achieve something they didn't think that they were capable of, that sort of thing. And uh, so I think I got to kind of like walk the walk there a little bit and uh put myself into a spot where I'm always seeking new challenges. Uh, and I, for whatever reason, I, you know, after Rio, I just felt like there wasn't as much challenge in the water anymore. And so there wasn't something that really got, got, you know, got me going. And, uh, the idea of starting at the bottom of triathlon was really exciting. Now it wasn't the first time I had jumped into triathlon after I finished at the Naval Academy, four years of varsity sport there, I kind of left the sport of swimming kind of thinking I'm not done being an athlete, but what can I get into? I did some adventure racing for a while, did some CrossFit for a while, but definitely got into triathlon as a sort of recreational triathlete. Um, I thought based on, uh, you know, run splits I could do at the time, I thought there was a possibility I could qualify for half iron nationals way back when I was, you know, 20, 2010 or so. Um, but my deployment schedule got shifted around and I wasn't able to sort of pursue that. So I'd always had that nagging itch in the back of my mind thinking I could be a really good triathlete if I would put, it, put the time into training. And so post Rio 2016, 2017 was a perfect opportunity to do that. Oops, sorry, that's my pup. Yeah, so um, shifted over and uh, definitely none of the advantage that I enjoyed in swimming uh, you know, in the pool really translated over. And I, I really struggled at the beginning back in 2017, 2018 to find my footing in triathlon. I definitely felt like I was... Uh, you know, a novice at best. And it was humbling. And it was a good, it was good to start at the bottom of that loop and really work to learn all the different skill sets involved in not only triathlon, but doing it without your vision, working with a guide, be getting up on a tandem, going as fast as possible on that bike. Um, and it really took until, you know, this year, really, for those pieces to fall into place. And uh, the Tokyo race was an incredible experience. I really went into this season, not even thinking I would make the team went into the Tokyo race, believing that it was possible to win, but a lot of stuff had to go my way. And boy, oh boy, did everything go my way. And it was just incredible to get into that run with a minute 45 gap uh, to really play with and come across the finish line first was a really great feeling. Um, so thanks. Well, I watched the video of you coming to the finish and it really was so you know exhilarating to see you cross it first and uh, I think we should give a mention to the the gentleman who uh, assisted you during the triathlon, and I think he's a pretty uh, tremendous athlete himself, a former Olympian, perhaps. Um, but yep. maybe Greg that Billington. Before. Yeah, what did you know? How did you hook up with Greg, and what's his background? Yeah, Greg Billington um, was actually kind of roped in to guide a teammate of mine earlier in this season um, through the COVID pandemic. I had uh, at, at 
Well, before the COVID pandemic, I had been working with a fellow named Joe Malloy, who was an Olympian in 2016. And we had grand designs to team up and work together. Um, Joe had to back out of this season. His wife was uh, pregnant. Was They actually just had their second kid. And so he was, you know, uncomfortable committing to the Tokyo Games. But uh, he said, uh, you know, let me connect you to my friend Greg. And I call, called Greg and I said, I know it's last minute, but if you have, do you have any interest or a willingness to kind of jump into this Paralympic guiding thing? And, and maybe if things go our way, we could go to the Tokyo Games. And he jumped in uh, full force, came out to my house. We started training together a little bit before we went to a, a race in England to start the season uh, this year around June. And race to race, you know, we got better and better and better and better and just really lined up things perfectly uh, in Tokyo. And Greg, uh, you know, proved to be not only a great guide, but also helped coach me, helped figure out some things to tweak on my bike to get some additional watts. Um, and uh, our partnership ended up being a really instrumental component of, of, of winning in Tokyo. So I'm really grateful to have Greg's support uh, as a guide, as a teammate, as a friend. And, uh, and we're looking forward to doing it again, hopefully uh, in three years in Paris. Brad, number one, um, if, if everyone's going to the game, um, uh, against Cincinnati on Saturday, you know, usually everyone's standard operating procedure is to head out during the halftime festivities and, uh, and go refresh their beverages out in the parking lot. I would encourage everyone to stay, uh, for the halftime ceremony. If, if you can, Brad, what do they have planned and, and what's going to happen at halftime? I, I, some of it's a surprise. I mean, a, any true Navy fan is going to stay through the whole game. I, ha, I hope I have to hope. So, um, but I'll, so I'll <laughs> that's that. right. But, um, I think at halftime, uh, myself and my teammate, Eric McElvaney, uh, will be honored, um, for being in the, uh, on the Tokyo team together, uh, this last go around. So, uh, looking forward to standing next to my teammate and uh, my classmate and, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, Standing is an example of what everyone can achieve with a little bit of hard work. So I'm, I'm honored to come back to Annapolis and do that. Well, we'll be in the uh, 06 tailgate uh, for your reunion. We're going to be talking to Eric. We're going to be talking to uh, Adrian Mazur um, and, and the rest of 06 uh, on the occasion of their 15-year uh, reunion. So we can't wait to, uh, to see you again and, and uh, shake your hand and say hello. I, personally... I first saw Brad and met you, um, which I'm sure you don't remember, in 2013 at the Navy Marine Corps Ball, um, where you gave the speech. You were the guest speaker, um, and I've been following you intently ever since. And I, I just really appreciate what you've done and the example that you've set and the fact that you still give back to the brigade. Because as we record this, we've got to let you go soon because I think you're talking to a bunch of mids at 1.30. What, what is, as I let you go, what do you still do with the academy? You know, how often do you get to talk to the brigade? Yeah, one of my favorite things that we do is this code of the warrior class over in Loose Hall. And the, uh, the idea is that um, there's kind of a universal warrior's code that's always been abided by, although it changes from era to era, clan to clan. But we, we study, for instance, the Knights Templar, the, um, the ancient Greeks, the Romans. Uh, I teach a module on the Shaolin Monastery about the kind of code of the Buddhist monks that make up or that are responsible for Kung Fu, as we know it in today's uh, parlance. But um, I get to teach the Shaolin module in that course year after year. It's taught by a SEAL, Andrew Ledford, class of 92, I think. And um, it's been a real honor to stay involved with that. Um, I, I, I had the opportunity to actually be on the faculty for the last couple of years. I actually left last year to come up here to Princeton with the hope of getting a PhD so I could go back as a faculty member here in a few years. So anybody you're talking to who's uh, hiring on the admission or uh, on the uh, faculty side, please tell them I'm interested in a job. So just let me know when there's one of those openings. I'm, I'm sure Ward Carroll can get the word out. And I, I happen to believe that your resume might be impressive enough to the point of uh, getting a little extra consideration. So, well, I'm, Brad, I'm I'll tell you what. <laughs> We're hopeful for you. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope the 1330 class goes well, and we're really looking forward to seeing you on Saturday and to having you back on the pod. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Brad Snyder, class of 06, uh, on the cusp of his 15-year reunion. Um, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, Ward Wags, Chris, and I will take this baby out. This is Sing Second Sports. A few updates from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Tickets are available for Navy's home games. Visit NavySports.com today and click on the Tickets tab. 
Looking ahead, it's never too early to think about basketball. In fact, the Navy Men's Basketball Veterans Classic is back for another year. See the Mids take on Virginia Tech for a huge matchup in Annapolis on Friday, November 12th at 8.30 p.m. Tickets are on sale now at NavySports.com backslash tickets. And if you can't get to a Navy football game or the Veterans Classic, be sure to check out the latest in Naval Academy athletics by clicking on NavySports.com. You get all the information you need on varsity sports and the midshipman athletes. Also, be sure to follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to participate in contests and games, as well as to be kept in the know on all things Navy athletics. Now back to the pot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Um, this was a fantastic pot. I'll tell you what, we were laughing off camera and off uh, um, recording there um, after Brad after Brad's interview, just laughing about how every once in a while, we just feel worse and worse about ourselves after we're talking to some of these grads and athletes. You know, it's just people going out there and doing amazing things. And there are a lot more of them, as it turns out, than there are of like Chris Cervello and me, um, you know, where we're just, we're just trying to make it to happy hour. Um, but like, Hey, I, I just, I really enjoyed the interview. We also had a chance to talk to, uh, to film a conky in the last week. We're going to have that on the next pod. Um, a couple of housekeeping issues. Again, please stop by uh, Dry 5 on October 27th from 5 p.m. to close as they debut their fall and winter drink menus. It's an awesome time. Um, our pregame show, which is usually from like 12 to 1 for the 3.30 starts from the Graduate Hotel, that is now going to be a post-game show. Also, what happened this week. Um, women's soccer, you know, I, I complain about this and I'm not going to make too big of a deal about it, but both men's and women's soccer have these really odd non-conference games right toward the end of their schedule, which really pissed me off. Um, you know, here women's soccer has two big Patriot League games left, one against Lafayette, one against Holy Cross, and then they have to drive into DC to play Howard at Howard in a night game that went to overtime um, a meaningless game. Um, I'm sure the athletes don't think it's meaningless, but a meaningless non-conference game. It ended in a nil-nil tie uh, there in uh, Washington, D.C., and now the women now start concentrating on the road trip up to Worcester this weekend for a very, very important game against uh, Holy Cross. Let's just say something about soccer. Before we go out, let's update you on uh, one result that took place last night. Men's soccer uh, cruised to a 3-0 victory over Mount St. Mary's. Uh, Coach OD had his guys ready to roll home match against a Mount St. Mary's team that is traditionally very good. We got great goals from Matt Nosita, the big center back, uh, Baba Cali, and also Christian Quelo. Um, Jacob Williams, who was just a point-getting machine, um, notched two assists coming off of his big Hattie. Um, so now the mids are in great position. Um, you know, the rest of their schedule is ideal. Uh, they're sitting behind Holy Cross, uh, second in the table. And, you know, they have very winnable games left, including this coming Saturday. If you are done watching Navy football and want to see one more awesome Navy result, watch the men take on Lehigh at 5 p.m. at Glen Warner Soccer Facility. So congrats to OD and the boys for bringing home a victory against Mount. Let's get another one against Lehigh and hope that uh, Holy Cross comes back to us a little bit so we can get a regular season Patriot League title for these guys. And then as we get into the weekend, in addition to football, there's a bunch of people in action, women's tennis, squash, volleyball, water polo, uh, wrestling, rowing, sailing. We'll bring you all those updates and more as we get into next week. Before we go, it's time for our um, home game weather forecast. Again, big weekend here for alumni reunions, for people coming back into town. Plenty of reasons to come down to Annapolis. And one of the great reasons to come down to Annapolis during the, uh, during the autumn timeframe is not just for Navy football, but for how great the weather is. And the leaves are just changing. And to give us a little bit more uh, in-depth insight into what the weather on Saturday is going to be like, it's time for our Ava Marie from WBAL Channel 11 news uh, and weather forecast. So Ava, let us know. I mean, it looks 
right now on the surface, a couple of days out, like Saturday might be a good day, but possibly in need of a, of a jacket or, or a zip up. Yeah. Dare I say that I have been your good luck charms this season. <laughs> I, all kidding aside, honestly, we just had some beautiful weather for all the home games so far, which, which means I'm probably going to, you know, take the heat when we have some active weather, I'm sure coming up in the next few weeks, but uh, regardless, it looks like a beautiful day at the stadium, uh, 60s for the high temperatures. So in the afternoon, it should hit the 60s. It's going to have a little bit more cloud cover. So that can always add a cool feel if you happen to be under some of those clouds. So I'm the type this time of year, I always have at least a light jacket with me because there's no sense being miserable. Um, but yeah, some people might even get by with without a jacket because 60s dry weather, light wind out of the Northwest around 10 miles per hour, dry humidity this time of year. So what better weather could you ask for? Well, I agree. And, and again, this is going to be a earlier start, a 12 p.m. start, which hasn't happened in several years. Um, so that means the tailgating gets started you know, before the sun is really high in the sky at like 9, 10 a.m. So definitely I would bring those jackets, bring those fire pits. Chris Cervell and I would also love to see uh, you know, whatever chili cook-offs are going on. Any kind of breakfast <laughs> foods for us are always, are always appreciated. But you know, Ava, I'll tell you what, this will be our last home game until November 20th. We've been trying to get you and your husband to come out there. Maybe for November 20th, we can have you out there. But I, I assume that the weather is going to be a lot colder then. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my husband is the ultimate uh, college football fan, so he would be very excited. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned the, the morning tailgating. It'll be near 60 while people are tailgating early. So, yeah, that's a lot cooler for the start before it warms up into the afternoon. But of course, um, for this time of year, we could see much colder temperatures in the morning. So we are lucking out that it's above normal. We're also lucking out because there is a front that's passing by Friday into Saturday, but it seems to sweep through the Baltimore area with dry weather. It's the reason why we're seeing a little bit of cloud cover Saturday, but for now calling for dry weather. So we lucked out once again with all the timing with the weather. Well, I'll tell you what, we were the ones who lucked out with you, Ava. Really appreciate the weather forecast. Really appreciate the good luck. I mean, you're exactly right. You've been bringing the, uh, the solid tailgating weather to Annapolis. If only we could see that good weather and turn it into winds. Hopefully Saturday we can do that against a very good Cincinnati team. Ava, thank you so much for, uh, for making time. And we can't wait to see you, hopefully, at Navy Marine Corps Stadium on November 20th. Hey, go Navy. There it is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Ava Marie with our weather forecast. Again, if you're coming into town uh, for the uh, tailgating and for your reunion and for the game, you know, remember, uh, bring a jacket just in case. But, you know, most of all, just show up. Let's get in the stadium. Let's fill those stands. Ava, thank you so much. For Chris Cervello and Bill Wagner and Ward Carroll, I am John Schofield. Thank you to Brad Snyder for joining us. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to you, the fans. Thank you to the U.S. Naval Academy and the Midshipmen. And we're out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.